0: recorded live from a brave and wonderful new world. This is Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling and my pronouns are she, her.
1: And I'm Amy Stevens and my pronouns are she, her as well.
0: And this is a special and a half episode, Amy
1: a half how do we get a half an episode penny
0: uh because it's uh, it's it's the same thing as last time only different we're gonna have cardamonier well i am not gonna have cardamonier somebody decided to go and have a chit chat with cardamonier just because they both happen to be trans for trans trans (laughs)
2: yes And
1: and it was a wonderful conversation and well in last week's episode we mentioned you know I asked you to sit back and relax for a few minutes, but you had to jump in and bail me out. So, you know, but it was a conversation worth having. So, and it was wonderful, but it went in wonderful directions that I didn't think it was gonna go in. We actually talked a lot about religion and spirituality and how that intersects with being transgender. So, and that is a topic that is near and dear to my research heart as I continue on with my master's in mental health counseling.
0: You have a research heart?
1: I thought you were a rock
0: and roll heart, Amy. (laughs) I got all kinds of (laughs) hearts. Or is that Eric Clapton? Oh, Eric Clapton. I always get you guys both confused all the time. Anyway, uh, I am going to step out for about forty-nine minutes while you and Carter have a conversation right after our traditional music swell and fade out. Nice. Let's talk about change, Amy.
1: Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loonie, and a few British tenors from when I was in London, because I'm an international comedian. No,
0: not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday.
1: Oh, yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad. It just...
0: The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go
1: to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love. We do have expenses, and by going to TransformationThursday.com, they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today, plus get exclusive patrons-only content.
0: Um, if I say yes, can we get on to our next segment? Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, then. TransformationThursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure. I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off.
1: Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I am Amy Stevens and my pronouns are she, her and joining us as I alluded to in the open is Carta Monier. Carta's coming back to join us because, you know, in the, uh, last week's episode, we were talking about for trans relationships and we tried to put Penny on the bench a little bit like, you know, that little league baseball team she played on, but um, she, you know, had to come back in and um, pinch hit for me since I got a little emotional during that segment. So But Carter and I were talking, um, yeah, we were talking, right? Twitter, talking, Mm -hmm. that that constitutes talking in a modern world, right? That counts as talking. Yep. Uh, So we were talking, I said, hey, let's continue this trans for trans conversation and dating in this space because I think it's, you know, we were talking beforehand, but I think it's unique because I think there's not much discussion about trans for trans dating, sexuality, and, you know, as I alluded to you before we got into this, the myths about trans dating and transsexuality helped me stay in the closet longer than I really should have. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that was your experience, but you know, let's kind of start there and see where this goes.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess my experience was like as I came out, um, you know, obviously I was in uh, my marriage. I, I had previously gotten married and I'm still with the same person. And at this point with both transition, we sort of switched. But at the time, um, you know, as far as I knew, uh, my spouse was a cis woman, you know, as far as either of us knew. <laughs> um, and so for me, it was like, oh, you know, like, well, I guess I'm dating uh, or I'm married to uh, a woman. And so, like, I have done like the, the full pivot and now I'm a lesbian. <laughs> I thought I was straight. Now I'm a lesbian, this, you know, makes a lot of sense to me. Um, And at the time when I was coming out, um, several of my friends uh, were trans, like several of my oldest friends um, were trans. And uh, a couple of them were in um, relationships that ended up being very similar. Relationships where one person came out a little bit earlier and then the second person came out later. Um, so I was definitely familiar with the idea of, you know, t for t relationships. Um, it wasn't something that I had given a lot of thought to for myself. You know, I was still kind of coming to terms with the idea that I was, I had like, uh, turned my spouse into a lesbian, you know, (laughs) um, and then when they came out a couple of years after, you know, and we we sort of worked through that and talked about it, it made a lot of sense. It was like, oh, this is why we both relate to each other so strongly, you know, and always have.
1: Yeah, and the interesting thing about that is, is you didn't turn each other. You were always, you know, you were always trans, they were always trans, and I, right. you, know, you know, but how often, and you don't need to answer this, this is this is a rhetorical question really, but you know what how many people as they get to know you they go well how does that work you know but you know and it's like, well the, the right answer is it's none of your business it just works Right
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I mean I think a lot of my friends have had this kind of experience and and I'm certainly like a a poster girl for this kind of experience where like with maybe two exceptions everyone I was close to in college has since come out as a trans person
1: that's that's mind-boggling
2: yeah and like my best friend from early high school recently came out as a trans woman and like it's not like we've all been in touch you know like we graduated and all went our separate ways and sort of independently came to these things um and each at our own pace each at different times but I think what drew us together in that first place was that sort of sense of like we have something in common that's kind of hard to put our finger on, um, but like we seem to be more comfortable around each other than we do around other people. And now looking back, it makes perfect sense. It's like, yeah, we were all closeted trans people, you know, closeted to ourselves in a lot of cases.
1: And you grew up in the real Midwest, and I mean, I mean, we're not going to talk about the city or state or anything, but you know. That, that's a dangerous place to be though coming out at that point of your life isn't it?
2: Yeah, um, and you know this was obviously pre-trans tipping point when I was in high school or or even in in college. Um, in high school, I was close friends with like uh, a couple girls in the school who were gay. Um, I don't remember there being more than one or two out gay boys and even their outness was sort of like on the the down low because of the harassment they would get I certainly didn't know any trans people um so just the awareness of it you know I, I think if I had had the language earlier I might have felt more capable of coming out or like been able to consider it Um, But since I didn't have the language and I didn't have any sense of being trans as as a possibility in in my own life, I did the thing that I think uh, a lot of people do, which is that I assumed that my experiences were normal, you know, like, oh, everyone must grapple with questions of identity and gender internally and they seem to be doing fine and moving past it you know so like I should too
1: see I I found that as being more abnormal you know when I was I dealt with this later you know I dealt with those questions in college in the 90s so it's you know I'm a little older than you I don't want to say how much cough cough (laughs) um but I viewed those things coming from a conservative, I don't, I don't want to say uber evangelical home, but at the same time, we were Christians, we went to church, I was baptized, I did the confirmation thing in my teens as a Lutheran. And so that cis-heterosexual normative lifestyle was pounded into us, you know, either through church, through politics, through, you know, everything you learn in school and through your parents, you know, and plus I grew up, you know, coming out of the AIDS epidemic, you know, those, I saw these things as these are selfish. These are fetishes. These are things that I need to correct to get right with God. Did you have any of that religious nonsense in your head?
2: Yeah. I mean, I grew up quite religious. Um, My mother was very, very religious. My father was very not religious. Um, So there was some, you know, balance in the house but I definitely identified more with my mother um, for many many reasons um and so leaning into a religiousness felt like a way that she and I could be closer you know like it it felt important to me um and I was not raised a Christian um but you know similar similar in terms of the uh homosexuality is you know a sin and etc cetera, et cetera.
1: no that makes yeah and i mean any conservative orthodox evangelical type religion has that those elements and strands with inside of them so there's a right. even even though the deity might have a different name or a different look or feel to it i mean it's still they right. all seem exactly. to be operating off of those same five books in the beginning of the, the bible
2: exactly yeah yeah um certainly among like Abrahamic religions, you have that, that commonality. Um, So yeah, I I was raised to feel very conflicted about feelings like that, you know, and um, I grappled a lot with like, am I gay? Is that what I'm feeling? You know, like, is that, because, you know, um, other kids would pick up on the fact that I was a weirdo, Which, again, was for many reasons, not just because of my transness, but, um, you know, there were persistent rumors through elementary and middle school that I was gay. And I would always wonder when confronted with them, like, do they see something that I don't, you know, like, am I gay? Um, But like transness just wasn't, hadn't occurred to me, you know, like as a kid, I would be like, oh, I'm a little girl or I want to be a little girl, that kind of thing. Um, but then as I got older and it became, you know, clearer socially that like, you're not supposed to say stuff like that. It makes people uncomfortable, whatever. I sort of assumed that like, oh, everyone else must just move through this also, you know, like everyone else who I know who's straight and cis is clearly like dealing with these feelings. So like, it would be weird and, and attention seeking and inappropriate of me to talk about it or pursue it in any way.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So you you get through high school, you're in college, you have all these friends, and you you each you know, a big chunk of you seem to start coming out at different points, especially as transgender, which mm-hmm. is just fascinating. But then how do you work through that and navigate with your sexuality and how do and how do you square that? You know, we talked about this last week, but how do you how do you make this all work for you? You know, share what you want to. I always that's gonna be my might always share what you're comfortable with. And if there's ever a question you're not comfortable with, you can always tell Amy to buzz off too. So, <laughs> so just, yeah. So, I mean, but how do you start navigating this and working through this with your spouse?
2: You know, it was difficult. Like up until when I came out, I had continued to be um, religious. And one of the biggest things that made me hesitate on coming out was this worry that through my coming out I would be inflicting gayness on my spouse you know like um getting married for me was sort of a way to close this chapter you know like literally when I got married one of my high school friends at the wedding like gave me a big hug and said like remember all those questions that you used to have about like gender and sexuality it's really good to see you like having figured that out and like so for me the idea of coming out was like I am ruining all of this like I have a good thing going here you know like and I'm going to destroy it (laughs) um and thankfully you know my spouse is someone who I have always been able to talk to about things that I'm grappling with that are difficult and you know I broached the subject very, you know, kind of obtusely initially, you know, like, you know, I've been reading about it and, um, if I had known about trans stuff in high school, maybe I would have considered myself trans then. I'm not saying anything, you know, like, oh, there's no chance, but, you know, like, um, I was just thinking about, isn't that interesting? (laughs) Um, And then from there, you know, like working with my therapist and and talking to my spouse, slowly coming to terms with this idea that like it would be better in like every way for me to come out. And it was difficult because like I felt like I'm doing something that is going to put me at odds with like my religious beliefs. It's going to put me at odds with like my family, who I finally have like a sort of good, normal relationship with it might ruin my marriage. It might put me at odds with my spouse's family who I love. And um,
1: There's a technical term that I like to refer to this, that dilemma that you're walking through right now. It's called the mind fuck of being trans.
2: Yeah, no, for real.
1: Cause really that's, that's the mind fuck is like, okay, this thing that we're calling Transgender, gender diverse, cross anything, you know, non binary. But if you're in a marriage or a serious relationship and you have, you know, the family, the life, and everything that you're talking about, you, it's like you have elements that I have, but it's unique to our stories and our situation. But mm-hmm. that's the mind fuck. If I go down this
2: path, does this wreck my entire life? Right, right, exactly. And like, ultimately for me, I think the way that I, I ended up thinking about it, especially in regards to the the religious aspect, um, was I, I hit a point where I realized that whether or not I came out in my life, it wouldn't change the fact that I, I knew that I was a woman. Um, and so if there was a sin that was being committed through me being a woman, it had already happened. Like um, through being honest about it, I figured like it would be better to be honest and live honestly than to hide this thing. Because like either way, you know, for me believing in like an all knowing deity and everything, it was like the damage is done. If there is damage, it's done. I'm already in a quote-unquote lesbian relationship.
1: Yeah, and I, but have you been able to find any reconciliation with your old religion or your old beliefs? Or
2: it's difficult. Um, I I've had a I've had a hard time with it. Like um, before I came out, I wrote a letter to like the the sort of um, administrative body of my religion, asking for some clarification on on trans issues. And, and the response I got back was disappointing and difficult. Um, and ultimately, it felt to me like um, there was no way for me to continue engaging with my religious community um, without feeling like a hypocrite because I would never tell my um, queer friends that I thought they were going to hell or that they were sinning in some way, you know, like I I never believed that and I never felt that, you know, as an adult, I should say, as a teen, I definitely did believe that, but like actually knowing queer people, (laughs) um, I never never felt that way. And so I haven't engaged with religious community at all because um, it felt too painful for me to like the idea of being someone who they would have to like make a decision about or deal with in some way.
1: Yeah. I spent almost 20 years as a Mormon and I decided to quit the church, take my names off, take my name off the record as my old name because I, my thought process being is I Joined the church as he, or he joined the church,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I wasn't going to let her be a member. Yeah. And that was actually a very important thing for me mentally. And I'm so happy I did it, but for the same thing, I didn't want to be somebody's project. I didn't want to be a, the topic of gossip and conversation and, you know, the way they talk talk about it, or they did speak about it in the Mormon church when I was going through this process four years ago was, you know, courts of love or excommunication. I just did right. not want to go through this process. For me, I just knew it would be mentally draining and take too much out of my family and myself. So I chose to extricate myself for that. But yeah. And so, you know, but I'll, I like that idea, you know, for, you know, not not that I like the idea, but that idea of forcing homosexuality you know, that's, that's something we can't force. You know, you're in a situation where your spouse ended up, you know, being trans or gender diverse as you are in some regards. I don't know the exact nature, none of my business, but my spouse has said, I'm straight, I'm a cis woman. And, you know, so we're divorced and now she's, you know, but she made that choice, but we still love and care for each other as human beings. So it's, it's an interesting way to work through life, but we're in a good spot.
2: Yeah. No, for real. I mean, that stuff is, is so complicated. And I guess like the, the sort of reconciliation that I've come to, like, I still hold a lot of the, the spiritual and religious beliefs that I had growing up. Like, they're still important to me in terms of like the way that I want to conduct myself and be like very consistent in my, like the things I say and do. And like, yeah. wanting to be a better person, you know, like those things, I think that a lot of people will take from any religion, you know, like these sort of motivating, like self-improvement kind of things. Um, and I guess my feeling is like without a lot of specific guidance, I'm doing my best. And um, any omnipotent deity knows that I am doing my best.
1: Well, and I, you know, that's one of the things that I struggled with early in my counseling program here is, you know, I have this anti-religious bias in me because of what I went through with Mormonism, but at the same time, spirituality matters so much and has such a positive net effect on so many people, and that spirituality encompasses religion, people mm-hmm. that are involved with religion and spiritual practices have better mental health comes that knows that don't generally speaking. So mm-hmm. how do we balance that? And I think that's, you know, it sounds like in your own way, that's what you're trying to balance is like, there are good parts of this religion that I want to carry forward. But there are also parts of, let's just call the doctrine of hate that you want to leave behind. I mean, am, am I reading that correctly? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, I just, it's so important for me not to feel like a hypocrite and there's not a way for me to engage with organized religion that would say that, you know, the people I love and the community that I have are sinful and evil because of the way that they are, you know, like I, if I have a religion at this point, it is like the religion of loving trans people. And like, that's just, it's my priority. And like, almost everything I do, like trans people matter to me so much more than like the opinions of other people.
1: Well, and I think us as trans people need that love and we need Mm -hmm. to find it within our own community. So I think maybe this is, I mean, we ended up down this religion track that I didn't see us going but let's let's talk about loving trans people let's let's make a pivot here and let's you know but how does loving trans people look for you in relationships you know Um, Mm -hmm. we mentioned on the last show you're polyamorous correct Mm -hmm. ethically polyamorous I'm monogamous and uh, trans lesbian so at least that's how I identify and label my sexuality and my gender so there's some differences but I think similarities that are worth us discussing here
2: yeah absolutely um I mean in my case like I I continue to be married um I am not non-hierarchical that is to say like Um, My spouse is my most important relationship and I make that clear to anyone who I'm I'm dating or seeing. And I tend to date people who are also in relationships with primary partners, long-term primary partners. Um, And I really like to date trans people (laughs) um, because trans people I mean, there are just so many advantages to dating trans people. And this isn't, I should say as a caveat, I'm currently dating two cis women also. Um, And both of them are either currently in a long-term primary partner relationship with a trans person or have dated trans people before, Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, not the same as dating a trans person, but is like my minimum requirement (laughs) for someone who I'm dating is that I do not have to be the first person to explain things. Um, It's really important for me when I'm dating someone that they see me for who I am and don't continuously, intentionally or not, alienate me or make me feel ill at ease in my own body um, and that's not to say I would never date someone who like accidentally made me dysphoric because I can be dysphoric because of anything I can be dysphoric from going to the grocery store or the drive through or whatever but there's such a big difference in feeling like the person that you're with sees and understands you as the person you are versus the person that you're with Seeing you as something curious or unusual or an interesting experiment for them. Um, I'll hook up with people like that occasionally. Um, And it can be okay, but in terms of like a relationship, absolutely not. (laughs) It is not for me.
1: Well, and I think with cis people too, you know, my dating experience is very limited, but, you know, my first relationship out of my marriage was with a cisgender person female and but she had never dated a trans woman before she had never dated a woman before and so in a lot of ways i'm her first woman first trans woman and this is at a period of my transition where i'm 14 to you know 20 plus months or not yeah pretty close to 20 months into my transition and i'm still trying to learn at that point what my body does right in a romantic situation and there are a few nights of some serious frustration on both sides too and working through those spaces and so you know if you so educating people when you're frustrated is a hard place to be in because not only are you trying to educate another person this is from my experience but you're also trying to educate yourself on what your body likes
2: right absolutely
1: and I don't know if you've had those conversations but those are those are hard conversations to have with somebody who you care for
2: yeah absolutely Um, I think I really cut my teeth on sex as a trans person through hookups after my spouse and I opened up our relationship, and that helped a lot because it felt a lot lower pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you have a bad hookup, and I'm not talking about like bad in like a capital B bad way. I'm talking about like uh, you know, yeah. like um, if you have a bad hookup, you can leave and be like, Well, I'm not gonna see that person again. <laughs> you know, like the first time I ever had sex with a cis man, um, it was terrible. You know, like, I, I fully welcomed to womanhooded myself. <laughs> like, I got all dressed up. He was very picky about what I wore. Um, and then in the end, like, he put his dick in me and in one half of a second pulled out and came all over my stomach and was like, okay, goodbye, you know. Um, I don't mean to
1: laugh, but I... Uh,
2: no, I mean, it's like, I feel yeah. like it's an experience that most people have had if they um have sex with with cis men and like you know for me that was like oh my god like this sucks <laughs> like I was so frustrated um and that same night like I you know like I got in the car and went on grinder and found another man <laughs> and he did better I guess it was still <laughs> not you know but like it it feels lower stakes if I was in a relationship with that guy and we had been building up to it, it would have felt devastating. <laughs> and I feel lucky to have that room to kind of experiment. Um, and part of the reason that I feel like relatively safe in my experimentation is that 99% of the time, like with maybe one exception in the last you know, year or two, I only fuck queer people like i don't fuck straight people um and that helps because queer sex is already less like prescribed and goal focused and you know in general
1: yeah and i think it's also important i think in queer sex you know definitely don't have the experience of cutting my teeth like you have, but I think it, but I think there's a space where you're allowed to have conversations to say, this is what I like. This is what, you know, and to say back to your partner, what do you like? And how those are just conversations I never had before coming out. It's not like, yes, there, there's a very, you know, prescribed method in cis heterosexual sex for the most part you just kind of go through and especially if you've been with a partner for 17 years right you know you 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 have your routines down and you don't stray out of them except for every once in a while when you maybe you catch something on Pornhub so I don't know
2: (laughs) right no for for real like having sex with trans people has taught me much better sex etiquette because when you as a trans person has sex with another trans person, like, at least in my experience, that has to begin with a conversation, you know. Are, are there parts of your body that you don't want me to touch? How do you refer to your genitals? Do you call your breasts your chest or your breasts? Or do you have another word that you prefer? Um, you know, just like, it's important to go through those things and, and get a sense of like, The other person's comfort level because in the same way that I know that I can be made dysphoric, you know, through no fault of another person's quite easily, I don't want to do that to someone unnecessarily, (laughs) you know. Um, If we don't have that conversation and I tell a trans woman like, oh, I really love your cock and she doesn't call it that and doesn't like that, you know, that was totally preventable. (laughs) Um, Yep. So yeah, like
1: I'm just, I'm just thinking through things.
2: <laughs> like recent, yeah. recent
1: conversations.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's important. And like I wrote about this in, in my Zane napkin a little, but like if you, the listener, um, are going to have sex with a trans person, it's good etiquette and it will make your sex better if you also have this conversation with them beforehand, like asking about what limits are and what terms to use. Because like I can tell you from my experience in, in making porn for you know a largely public audience. Um on their own people will come up with the most unpleasant, most out of left field words for your genitals that you have never even considered before. Um, I've had multiple men comment on my beautiful quote unquote she stick. Which is I don't like I call it a dick or a cock, but like she stick is just so aesthetically unpleasant to me. <laughs> like it gives me the, you know, like it's like can't spam. Like I yeah. I don't know. Sorry to anyone who loves calling their dick a she stick, but
1: But seriously, and I know we have a few cisgender men who listen to this podcast, and especially if you're single out there dating, you know, but do yourself a favor and if you're dating and you're if you're dating a woman or a gay guy or whoever ask your partner what they like Mm -hmm. try to figure that out for them try because what you give to them they're going to give back to you generally speaking so this is not only good sex advice for trans for trans but this is good sex advice period
2: it is it absolutely is and i mean also i found it extremely useful to ask like up front, like, do you come? Are you a person who who has orgasms? Because some people don't. And like, it takes a lot of pressure off when you have sort of like cheerfully established that it might not happen, you know? Um, The only orgasm I have ever faked is with a cis woman (laughs) because I felt way too awkward to tell her that at that time I couldn't come at all. yeah oh my gosh
1: but that's also but that's also but also different but you know going back to you know but different trans but a trans woman could come in month 12 of their transition but by month 18 they're not coming yeah and so those things evolve and change too so that's importance of conversation and saying okay where are you at what's working for you at this point in time because we'll talk this, this is something that just popped in my head early in my transition. I was still okay. Penetrating mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't yeah. And that to me, you know, so if a partner who said, oh, well, I thought you were good with this a while back. Yeah. But now my equipment's, you know, my parts are operating differently and that just doesn't do it for me. And yeah, that's
2: absolutely. And I think dating other trans people makes that kind of conversation easier because they are also undergoing, you know, this extremely prolonged and Mm -hmm. weird second puberty that, you know, whose rules are always changing and, like, honestly depend on what medication you're taking, you know, like, uh, the strength of your hormone dosage, um, whether or not you're on SSRIs, like, there are just so many things that, like, can can impact it um and like I've gone through you know the same thing there was a while when I wouldn't penetrate anyone um there was a little while when I was like oh I prefer bottoming that's like something I I like much better I've now come back around and um I top like more than I bottom and it's especially good for pornography you know to be someone who who can penetrate but like That's me, you know, like I've hooked up with uh, trans women who don't even want me to look um, under their skirt, you know, like, and we find ways to hook up that don't involve me interacting with or acknowledging their genitals in any way. And that's fine. Like, I don't have a specific expectation when I like going to hook up with somebody because like what I'm interested in is the experience of them as a person not like some preconceived cookie cutter experience that you know like I don't want to deviate from
1: no and I but this I keep coming back to communication Mm -hmm. and that's all about setting expectations, checking in with your partner during sexual experiences, checking in with them after and understanding with where they're at. Mm-hmm. And especially in this is beyond a hookup, obviously, you know, this is, you know, for somebody that you're having some sort of relationship with or somebody you care about at least. Mm-hmm. So understanding those expectations and having that negotiation to say, okay, this is where I want you to touch. But like you said, even though you didn't look underneath their skirt, you you still had a way to make that beneficial to each other.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like in in the case of like this girl that I'm thinking of, like she really liked her nipples played with. So like what she was able to right, like a lot of people.
1: <laughs> like do. a lot of us.
2: Um <laughs> Hello. Right. And so like in in Have the you case seen of these? Like... Just kidding. <laughs> In the case of like the way that we had sex, like what I was able to give her was like nipple stimulation and, you know, like some other stuff that didn't involve um, touching her below the waist. And she was comfortable going down on me. So she went down on me and like, that was great. You know, like that's sex, that totally counts as sex. Um, It's just, you know, what, and like the next time I see her that might've changed, you know, like I don't have any um, anticipation that things are going to stay totally the same for any of my partners.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, but is it unspoken or is this an explicit conversation where you say, okay, before each sexual encounter or as we're planning for it, are you having that conversation specifically all the time?
2: I like to stay on top of it. Like I, I like to um, say like, I know we talked about this before, but like, I just wanna refresh my memory. You know, you don't like being fingered, right? You know, like, uh, is there anything that like, you would really like me to do this time? That kind of thing. Um, I know that like people worry that like too much communication can kill the mood, but I promise it doesn't. Um, It will make things uh, better. (laughs) And not worse.
1: But that's such a great question. And it's such a non-threatening way to go about it. Just saying, hey, is there anything that you want out of this to make your experience better? I mean, that just shows caring and empathy. And I'll be honest with you, a whole bunch of vulnerability and bravery.
2: It it feels really important. You know, like I when you have sex with a lot of people, inevitably there are going to be sexual experiences that don't feel very good. Um, I've had them. I'm sure that I've had partners who have come away feeling like less than like, uh, you know, like I. it happens. Um, everyone I know who's like super promiscuous would say the same thing. Like not every time you have sex is going to be the best time you have sex. And like, Just talking about things can really um, deflect like the worst feelings. Um, And like it's taught me too, you know, like a lot of the times that I can think of that I had like quote unquote bad sex were times when I felt uncomfortable asserting a boundary that was important to me. And that's not on the person who I was with. that's something that like I've had to work on, you know, like feeling like, oh, it would be rude to say, <laughs> um, please don't do that or whatever. Um, and I'm getting better about that, you know, like it takes practice, but like, it's important to be able to say like, oh, actually, could you please call up something different or um, let's do something else instead, or even like, I'm sorry, I have to go, <laughs> like, It feels really, you know, to me, uh, raised to be very polite, it feels intensely rude to not give a sexual partner everything that they want exactly when they want it. But like, it's an important part of having boundaries to be able to assert your own needs too. And like, it's, it's something that I have just had to practice and communication beforehand really helps with that.
1: Yeah, and I've, I've stolen this from Verne Brown, like everybody, but, you know, practicing vulnerability and that bravery to have those conversations is, you know, it becomes a superpower at some level. Mm-hmm. And and I find it only enhances things. And I think that's an important thing is like, you know, when we have these conversations, especially in transfer trans dating, you know, it's important because, you know we are vulnerable because as you mentioned with your dysphoria you know and i have my own set of dysphoria issues if we're not careful of these things but i also realize that these situations are fluid mm-hmm. and what might excuse me while i clear my throat they're so dry in the house right now but if I don't have these important conversations with people, it's, it's, it just sets ourselves up for disaster. Absolutely. And I, and I'm, and I'm finding right now, and I mentioned this last week, you know, I am starting to see somebody and we've been, you know, last couple months, you know, dating and, you know, long distance, but, you know, but it's, but it's a, we're off to this good start, but it's this conversation and this communication that we have to purposely have mm-hmm. that builds trust it builds intimacy it builds that connection because we know we both care for each other and you know and I you know I don't know where this ends up but you know but without this communication process it wouldn't be the same as what we have right now either so absolutely
2: Absolutely. Like, it's just, I think, especially for for trans women, but I think this could broadly apply for for trans people as a whole. Like, all of us are really afraid of doing something that makes another person feel bad um, and are afraid of doing something that could end up painting us in, like, a predatory or uncaring or masculine patriarchal light. Can, like, I con-
1: can I just confirm that with one big check mark here?
2: <laughs> right. I mean, like, how could you not be? Like, every negative stereotype about trans women, and trans people, again, as a whole, is that we are sexually predatory, obsessed with sex, um, can't see the obvious, you know, like, can't read obvious signals. All of these things, like, I'm nervous as hell about that. And, like, As someone who tops, I'm double nervous (laughs) because, like, it's on me to be kind of assertive a lot of the time, Um, which is why communication feels just that much more important. Um, And also, like, being able to duck out if I get a bad vibe. Like, easily the worst sexual experience I have had since coming out could have been avoided if I had canceled it beforehand because I was not getting a good vibe. And I went through with it anyway. And again, like, that is a good learning experience for me. <laughs> like, it sucks. It sucks to have bad sex, but like, oh, it, yeah. You know, like, ultimately, like, it is practice. Like, you're very vulnerable. There's nothing else quite like it that you do. So you practice by doing.
1: Yep. Well, and I also think you know, we practice by doing, we have to draw those boundaries. And I I had one hookup one time and they said something to me and I'm like, that's just not going to happen.
2: Right.
1: (laughs) And I, and I drew the boundary and it, but they ended up being okay with it. I ended up being okay with it. And it was just, you know, a one night thing, but that's what exactly it needed to be. Mm -hmm. But I didn't let that person you know, dominate me and make me uncomfortable and do something I didn't want to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, that led that to at least be, wasn't the worst sex of my life. It wasn't the best sex of my life, but it at least left it with a more positive taste in my mouth. So, you know, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. You've wasted almost another hour with somebody from Transformation Thursday. How how are you <laughs> how are you how are you feeling after like three hours? I think you might be setting a record here for our podcast. I
2: love it. Have me back again. I'm always happy to come on your podcast.
1: I know. I just I am looking at the time and I've been working at the buck crack of dawn the last couple of weeks at Starbucks. So I'm like, I'm just getting tired. I get up at four thirty-five. So <sighs>
2: It's, it's, so it's almost
1: eight o'clock. And so, yeah. So, but I think this is a good place to jump out. What do you think, Carta? Yeah,
2: I feel good about
1: it. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for coming back on and doing episode 69 and a half with us.
2: <laughs> nice. My pleasure. Yeah, yeah, nice. So nice and yeah, a half.
1: Yep, exactly. So we'll be back with more Transformation Thursday right after this. To financially support Transformation Thursday, go to TransformationThursday.com, and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, click on the Become a Patron button. You can also follow us online on Facebook. You can follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast, and please join our private Facebook group by searching Transformation Thursday on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at Trans Pod. To make sure you stay up to date with all the latest episodes, please subscribe to the Transformation Thursday Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google podcast or wherever you get your podcasts on apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a short review it's free and it does help get transformation thursday out to a larger audience finally transformation thursday is copyrighted material all rights reserved 2020
0: welcome back to transformation thursday i am penny sterling my pronouns are she her even though i wasn't in that last segment
1: And my episode is Amy Stevens and my, wait, wait, what? Your episode is Amy (laughs) Stevens. My name's Amy Stevens and my pronouns are she, hers, but I'm trying to get out.
0: Doctor, help me. I've got an episode of Amy Stevens happening right now. Oh, you're a lucky patient then. Oh, I am an impatient is what I am. No, that was a fascinating conversation that you two had. uh, When you told me what you were going to be doing, you said it was going to be about transgender uh, and basically it was, Well, t for t as we like to call it transgender for trans with transgender uh relationships but that's not it it started there and like every good transformation thursday went fuck every place else it went (laughs) all over the place
1: it really did and you know and i thought it a couple times that i should bring it back and but Carta was, you know, she's she's so fun to listen to and she's so animated, especially when you're watching her on Zoom. And it was just such a good conversation. And that, that topic of religion and being transgender and how it intersects with each other really speaks to me. And it's part of it's a big part of my research as, as I go through my master's in mental health counseling because I'm really that's where I want to focus my future practices on transgender youth and young adults especially those coming from conservative, religious environments. And even though Carter doesn't come from a Mormon background like I do, still we have a lot of these similar experiences in how we view gender and being transgender and sexuality. That is we untangle from that and figure out who we are from a sexual standpoint, but as as well as a gender standpoint, it's we have similarities, but yet we still do it in our own way and as we've talked about in on this podcast, since episode number one is we, we have these similarities, but we all do it ourselves.
0: Yeah. Or you do it with someone else, depending on uh, what you're, who you're dating at the time. Um, anyway, Yeah. It really was fascinating. And I, and, and, as we're talking about this, there are a couple of other people that I think I'm going to try and see if we can get on to continue this conversation uh, because I see a very similarity. I, I'm, don't know I mean we've had Penny Gold on who came from a very uh cult I don't want to use the cultish I guess for lack of a better phrase
1: I like I I I like I like orthodox evangelical especially in her background I think orthodox Highly orthodox is a good word to use for it.
0: Yeah, but the, or all-encompassing maybe another thing where the where the entire Penny's entire world was her, yeah. her her religious background, and I see a lot of that. A lot of people and, and evangelical, especially like homeschooled evangelical uh, 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 people who have this very enclosed, um, which which bothers me because you know it's like you know we need to protect our if you' if your God cannot stand. Britney Spears music, then it's not a God that I care to worship, you know, quite frankly. I, I want a God that's out there in the universe, out in the world.
1: Well, um, I want a pastor like your pastor, Scott, who said when you tell him that you're going to record episode 69 and he goes, nice.
0: Nice. Yeah, exactly. And I'd probably say the same thing about ex- episode 69 and a half because it really was a good one. And my takeaway really, since I wasn't in it, is I was really glad to hear that somebody else like would bring up religion because it feels like that's something that I do all the time. And it was great to find that. And and so it was great to actually sit back and listen to somebody talk about it, two people talk about it, especially from a transgender perspective, so many different things. And and as I was, as I was listening, I was thinking, is it because, is it from a transgender perspective or is it just from an authentic perspective? Because we're, I, because sexually I'm approaching sex and religion and things from, from, from where I don't feel like I have to hide anything anymore. And, um, more and more like that. For me, it was easier with religion than it was with sexuality. I'm getting to a spot where Carta uh, got much quicker than I did, and uh, honestly, you as well. Um, and so it's 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 going to be it's going to be fascinating to see if this is a universal thing or not, uh, or if this is just going to be mostly a transgender issue as we talk to people.
1: I think you hit on something with the authenticity and yeah. You know that, as I mentioned in 69 and 69 and a half here. Nice and nice and a half. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, that in in authenticity took a toll on previous relationships and now not having to, quote unquote, hide myself. I still have this, and this is something psychological that I've spoken with with counselors and you know that I've had to work through is like, how do I get rid of that feeling in the back of my head of like that other shoe? I know it's there, but the other shoe really isn't there anymore because I'm living authentically. So you know, yeah. there, there's a lot of baggage, lack of better term, that comes with being in the closet for so long that we have to unpack. And so what I take away from Carta is, is that You know, when we start to untangle from these religious bounds and these expectations that are foisted upon us, Mm -hmm. then then we can really start to live authentically, we can start to find our own spirituality, we can start to find our own sexuality, our own gender expression and do that authentically for who we are. And that's and that's such a different space. And it doesn't happen overnight
0: it doesn't and the th- the other thing that as you were talking about this that that made that you guys touched on and carter touched on it a lot because she touches a lot um is <laughs> communication and is is communication and openness during the process you know her talking with her her partners about okay do you orgasm is that important to you um it, what is your you know i don't want to say what is your goal here but Uh, It it kind of is when I I remember going into every sexual encounter that I have ever had as a man with the goal of, you know, with with, with the goal of, like, I have to orgasm, not necessarily because I want to, but because that's my way of signaling that I had a good time and that I am done. I, I never, I never, I never, like, put my shoes on immediately afterwards and say, well, I'm done, but... You know that was definitely it was a definitely a goal oriented thing as opposed to actually being in the moment communicating with my lover communicating with my partner to find out what was going on with them and communicating what i wanted out of the situation that was that was just a a a a revelatory thing that i heard from from carta as you guys were talking
1: yeah you know the you know pre-transition was all about the sexual act and us just finishing the job, as we said, it was a goal-oriented transaction, even if it was loving and committed relationship, but it was still getting to that. I think right now what I've heard from people, you know, especially us who have transitioned, you know, multiple years now, is that that intimacy and closeness is much more important than that physical act of coming. And I use coming very specifically because I equate that more with my former love life pre-transition where now it's much more about intimacy and closeness and if that happens or an orgasm happens, great, but that doesn't have to be the end goal of everything.
0: Yeah, that's one of, that's one of the things that I'm learning is that uh, especially now that I it, it doesn't really happen the same way as orgasm and ejaculation are two entirely different things.
1: Yeah and so and you can have yeah and you can have one without the other
0: love and marriage going and an ejaculation i'm sorry i am in a mood i am in a great mood we have a brand new president we have a brand new uh look on life where i'm i'm exploring things in ways that i never did before and life is a is getting to be a better and better ride every day uh, and yeah. i think we're going to be exploring that more and more as we move forward on transformation thursday but for now i think we're uh we've, we've covered about everything that we want to cover right amy
1: yeah, but I'm excited for the new presidency. I mean, Amy came out, started coming out in January of 2017, February of 2017. So mm-hmm. this is the first time Amy's had any other president but Donald J. Trump. So I I'm apologize happy for-, for that. Yeah, I know, but I'm happy to have this Biden-Harris administration. And I think this is a good jumping off point for us until next week.
0: Yeah, until next I had just the smallest amount of time for that. And like I had a show that I put on just before the election. And I thought that that was like going to be a victory lap, like a four-year victory lap for us. And it turned out not to be. I'm glad we stuck around. I'm glad I met you. Everything is everything is coming up millhouse for both of us, Amy. So I think for uh, for now, let's just say goodnight, Amy. Good night, Penny. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night, everyone.